Well, welcome everybody. This is our first episode of our yet-to-be-named podcast. This is completely unscripted. I mean, just kind of going with the flow, see what happens. I guess I should introduce myself, right? So my name is Jose Mata. Um, I am currently a full-time graduate student um, in ecology. Uh, in my free time, I like to hunt fish, specifically fly fishing. Uh, but I have a passion for really all things outdoors. And my partner... Russell. Um, I uh, am not in school for ecology, uh, nor do I have any degree in outdoor related things. Uh, I'm actually more an engineer of trade. Um, I work for a telecommunications company, but I am very passionate about ecology and conservation. Um, more than anything, I, I hike, kayak and fly fish, uh, but I'm interested in, in everything to do with outdoors and conservation. So I feel like this is a good way for both me and Jose to put information out there that might be easier digestible than, you know, reading studies and stuff like that um, to people that may not be as experienced or people that are and just enjoy it. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a good way for us to put information out there and share stories and, um, you know, share experiences and stuff and uh, maybe educate some people as well. So uh, I feel like both of us are passionate in, you know, sharing our experiences and, and saying the proper way to do things and how to harvest things without abusing stuff. And, uh, I feel like this would also be a good way to get that out there. So I guess that's kind of the goal and the scope of what this podcast is going to be about. Um, time being, we don't have a, I guess, title for the podcast. Uh, we kind of joked around and tossed out <laughs> unnamed and untamed and, I mean, maybe that'll stick, but uh, for the time being, we're just kind of going with the flow. Well said, man. So I guess, uh, do you want to tell a little, talk a little bit about like how we found our way into the outdoors and kind of like its place in our lives? Yeah. So uh, kind of, I, we we briefly had a conversation with uh, trying a podcast in the past, um, and I think the way that I started really getting into to fishing in general, not necessarily fly fishing, but it's funny looking back at you know, the way that we grew up when we were younger and how the world was so much different than it is now. Uh, I was living in Austin, Texas and was kind of a, a kid doing my own thing. I mean, I, I never really knew my father growing up and and my mom was kind of, you know, in and out of the picture. She she just kind of did her own thing. And so I just hung out with a lot of friends, kind of did my own thing. And I remember one time I was walking my dog uh, downtown Austin. Actually, it's kind of North Austin, you know, metric area. And, uh, some guy was under the bridge with his dog and I was walking along a Creek and I was probably eight years old, nine years old, come across this guy and our dogs played and we kind of got to talking about fishing. And, uh, about a week later I was walking my dog, same path and dude shows up with a fishing pole and gave it to me as an old Shakespeare push button fishing pole from Walmart. And, um, you know, I, I remember, he was telling me that he was going through a divorce and would kind of go hang out at the park to kind of clear his mind. And as a kid, you know, I was whatever, you know, he gave me a fishing pole. I was happy. He gave me a fishing pole and some bait and I was ready to go. But looking back now, it's a little strange, <laughs> but that's kind of how I got bit. into fishing. Yeah. So, and I remember there was a, a big goldfish in this Creek. It was Walnut Creek in Austin, Texas. And there was this big goldfish in there. And I targeted it forever and was at never able to land it. But I did catch a lot of brim and a lot of bass out there at that little creek. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think that that's how I really got into fishing. Kind of strange 
awkward <laughs> turn of events that luckily didn't turn out badly. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> kind of what sketchy. about you? You uh, you got into the outdoors more because your grandfather, wasn't it? Yeah, man. So, uh, can you hear the dog? I do hear the dog. He wants to get on the okay. podcast, or she so, wants to get on the podcast. I, yeah, no. So my apologies. I I do have roommates. The walls are kind of thin, so there might be <laughs> <laughs> you might there might be some residual noise caught up in the microphone. So apologies for that. Um, but yeah, her name is Maya. Sweetest dog, dude. She's she's awesome. Uh, not much of that. <laughs> oh, she is, man. Not much of an outdoor dog. Well, let me let me rephrase that. She loves being outside, but uh, she doesn't like water from what I'm told. So she doesn't do well around creeks and things like that. But anyways, uh, yeah, dude. So going back to what we're talking about, my grandfather was, um, a big outdoorsman, but it was more out of necessity. So he grew up hunting and fishing because that's really how they got by, you know, they would, they would hunt rabbits and that's what they would eat birds, things like that, whatever fish, they'd catch what they eat and all that stuff. But, I don't know. He just, he just kind of like always liked it, man. And so I could remember he would take me fishing and, uh, I just really, I, I don't know. I don't know why, dude. I just, I just really liked it. And I remember sometimes like after church, we'd go over and have breakfast or whatever at my grandma and grandpa's house. And I would like beg him to take me fishing. And so sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't, but we would go. And, uh, but that was kind of like our thing. He got me into that. And, um, Man, I just, I just, I always had like a, uh, I guess a passion for it. I remember, so g- growing up, we, my, like at my house, we didn't have cable, but my grandma and grandpa did, which is kind of odd now that I think about it. But, um, <laughs> so I used to love staying over at the house. Well, for one, like I like spending time with them, but two, I got to like watch stuff I didn't norm- normally get to. And I remember that on Saturday mornings, if you woke up early enough, like on the sports, like sports channel, I think it was like Fox Southwest or whatever, ESPN, maybe they would show hunting and fishing shows like early, like you could see bass, Mm -hmm. like tournaments and stuff like that, uh, whatever. And so my grandpa, so normally on Saturday mornings, I would wake up and watch cartoons, but whenever I stayed there, I would always get up and watch the hunting and fishing shows with him and stuff like that uh, before I'd go and, you know, watch my cartoons, whatever. And he would like tell me his stories and things like that. And I was just asking a bunch of questions. I was like, so like infatuated. So just like curious about all that stuff. And, um, it's also kind of like how I first saw fly fishing and, uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll get into that a little later. So grew up fishing, whatever hunting, not so much just because unfortunately the state of Texas, since it's predominantly privately owned, you really either have to own the land that you want to hunt on, know somebody who will be you know kind enough to let you go out there and and hunt, or pay a lot of money for uh, for a lease or something like that, or day hunts, whatever the case may be. There are public lands in Texas. Let that be known. But um, it can be kind of crowded. You're talking about a, a, yeah. a state with huge populations and things like that, and not a whole lot of public land comparatively, I guess. So they can get pretty crowded. And uh, the, the better hunts, I guess, the better units you have to apply for, and those can be kind of hard to come by. So hunting for us was never really like a thing, but it's something that I've always been curious in. Now, I'd actually go hunting for the first time until I was a sophomore or junior in high school. I think it was a junior in high school when I first went. And um, I've been lucky to go on a 
you know, well, been looking to go on a few hunts like for deer and things, but in college and undergrad, dude, me and my friends, and it was awesome. So I did my, so in South Texas, I attended a small university, but we were pretty close um, to some public lands for like dove and things like that. And South Texas is like known for the dove hunting. So dude, every day we'd go out to class, like after class, we'd go, we'd, we'd try and find some birds somewhere to hunt. And so it was just awesome, dude. We did a lot of that. If we weren't hunting doves, we were out fishing on the coast. Cause I mean, we could, we were probably 45 minutes to an hour to some prime spots on the coast. We'd go weight fishing, catch, catch reds, some specs, all conventional gear, whatever. And then when it started cooling off and started getting too cold to kind of, you know, wait, well, I guess not really now, but we were, we would switch over from, for us, we would switch over from that, start concentrating on ducks. So undergrad was freaking awesome, man. We were, I was lucky enough to find a good group of dudes who like to hunt fish and stuff like that. So we would do that. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, man, so started grad school at the same university and I decided, I don't know why I decided to kind of start picking up the fly rod and, um, I, well, I do know why. So for me, I have dabbled in it a little bit, uh, in my younger years, I think, I, I think I dedicated like one summer to try and learn it. It was all self-taught and it was terrible, but I had a lot of fun and then, I don't know why, I guess I just saw that rod sitting there in the garage one day. I'm like, you know, man, I haven't touched a thing in a while. I think I'm going to bust it out. And I forgot how much fun it was. And it was just a ton of fun. And I decided that I wanted to try and learn because for me, it was just going to be another tool in the toolbox, if you will. Like I didn't want my experiences to be limited by what I did. Like I didn't know, you know, like if I wanted to go trout fishing or if I got invited to go trout fishing, I don't want to not be able to because I didn't know how to cast a fly rod or whatever. So for me, it was more of, uh, another way to fish another like tool to use um it just so happened that i ended up really really liking it and now it's my preferred way uh to to fish and then from there it kind of uh, evolved into tying flies and i love to tie flies and especially now like being in grad school again you were constantly like reading data analyzing data processing data it's very analytical and i it, it's exhausting so it's kind of nice to channel you know your creative side if you will by like tying flies stuff like that so it's just been nice to kind of um, have that creative outlet if you will and so that's it's kind of just you know transpired yeah. from there and you know ultimately like my passion for um the outdoors really kind of influenced I guess my career path in a sense, like now I'm finding myself trying to get into the field of ecology. And, you know, that's because like, I, I care about this stuff. You know, I care about the, our wild places and, and our wildlife, you know, these natural resources. And I, I care about conserving those things and preserving them and trying to share those or save those for other generations to, to, to utilize, you know? And, and, um, and so that's kind of, I guess where I arrived or how it's kind of affecting me um, aside from like being in the outdoors and stuff like that. Not to say um, to that being said, like I'm not an expert, you know, in, in anything like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be wrong, of course, you know, but uh, I kind of, like you said, like we're here to try and hopefully teach people at least maybe see some things from different perspectives and things like that. But, but yeah, man. So that was kind of a long winded, deal into how I got got into it. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man. And I actually got into fly fishing, um, probably I'd say what it was probably 
your first or second year getting your master's, uh, we went together on the Blanco River. And Jose was catching, yep, yep. Jose was catching bass left and right on a fly rod. What was was it? Three weight fly rod, maybe? Smaller smaller weight fly rod. I think it was a a two weight fiberglass rod. Yeah. And he was catching them left and right. And he was catching brim. He was catching bass. And I was out there using conventional gear, spinning gear, just couldn't catch anything. (laughs) And we got down to this one little, there's a, there's a ripple after an eddy on a curve of a river. There's a cliff that I used to jump off of with my dogs and whatnot. And he was fishing in there and I'd never seen fish in that, in that pool. Cause that's where everybody swims and had never seen fish in there. And he said, Hey man, you want, you want to try it? And I was like, dude, I don't know what to do with that thing. I was like, but (laughs) never have. So yeah, might as well. So he gave me kind of a, you know, quick basics on how to cast it, how to get the line out in the water. And it wasn't 10 seconds after that fly hit the water that it started taking off. And I was like, ah, and I <laughs> set the hook and this bass starts running. And I was just like, oh, what do I do? And, and he's like, just, just pull it in. And so I was pulling the line in and I landed this fish and it was probably a eight inch largemouth bass. Dude, and it way. was the most exhilarating, <laughs> fun thing that I had ever done in terms of fishing. And, uh, I, I was hooked. I mean, no pun intended, but I was hooked at that point. And, um, I remember after that fishing trip, he told me I could have, well, it was either that fishing trip or the fishing trip after that. He told me I could have the rod that he, that, uh, I was using. And I was like, man, you ain't going to do that. And he's like, no, I'll take it. And so I had that rod and that's what I learned to fly fish on and, um, didn't really pick up traction until I moved to Arkansas about three and a half years ago. And I remember, um, on the way up here, I was listening to YouTube videos and, uh, it was actually the Mad River Outfitters YouTube channel, uh, with Brian Fleshick that I was, I was listening to a lot of his stuff and I just started getting real interested because I knew that there was trout in Arkansas and there's not very many areas in Texas you can catch trout, which did you listen to that podcast? The honey hole hangout one. Hilarious. Okay. Dude. The so, one I sent you? Yeah. The one you sent me. So, Hilarious. uh, did you, yeah. did you listen to the section about the Guadalupe mountain national park? Yeah, the the the, the uh, native. We're we talking about the native native Rio Grande cutthroats in Texas. Yeah. So I I actually read an article on it after I after I listened to the podcast because I was like, oh, that's crazy. I had no clue that there was, you know, indigenous cutthroats in Texas. So yeah. interesting side subject. But um, yeah, it wasn't until I moved to Arkansas that I started really getting into fly fishing. And um, now I mean I just I have probably ten rods and yeah I've gotten into <laughs> and, and you know time on flies and what whatever else. Uh, don't do it as much as I would prefer to, but, um, sometimes spare time I'll I'll tie some stuff up and it just kind of, kind of ran with it. Once I got to trout waters, man, it's been really cool. Like I didn't know that you were going to get this into it. So it's been really cool to kind of see you. I mean, literally dude, like going head first and, uh, and man, honestly, you and I have been on some freaking awesome trips, dude, and had some great days in the water. And it's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been awesome, man. It has and, for uh, sure. Kind of, dude. I wish I had more time to fish, man. But you know, it is what it is. Life happens. But yeah, a little side note. So for those of you, for those of for those of you who are going to listen to this and may not know, so the trout scene in Texas is a little odd um, comparatively. So as Russell was saying, there, the, the there is like some native or there are some native like Rio Grande cutthroats, right? But we can't really fish for those. It's, I believe they're a protected species. Um, that being said, the trout that we can fish for are going, I mean, so, okay. So every year, 
Texas Parks and Wildlife and Trout Unlimited, I believe, will stock the Guadalupe River, which is a river that runs through Central Texas, with trout. And um, the thing is, though, like, and, and it's it's a super popular fishery, and it's it, and it's fun. It can be challenging at times, just because, man, like everybody and their mothers out there. It is crazy. Dude, it is so pressured. ridiculous, man. Um, I've I've honestly been kind of turned away from it a little bit just because I just don't want to have to deal with all that. You know, I'd rather go catch like a native Guadalupe bass or whatever. And and don't get me wrong, I've fished the Guad before. I've caught some trout before. It's fun. It's cool. But yeah, dude, it's it's a hassle. It is different for sure. Um, that being said, I'm. I think it's been consistently ranked among the top 50 uh, best trout streams in the U.S. or something like that. Uh, so if you're ever in Texas, you want to check it out, you know, get definitely give it a shot. It might be worth uh, paying for a guide because those fish, like as Russell said, they get super pressure, so they get super picky. And they typically will know what's up. That being said, there are some access locations. But the thing is, all along the river, it's pretty much private land, right? So... To fish, you really have to kind of pay to play, if you will. So there's a lot of locations where you have to pay for parking or pay for access or whatever, and you can go down. And typically, it's not that bad. It's like five or ten bucks, and you can fish for the whole day, usually. Um, but yeah, it just gets crazy crowded, so you just got to kind of figure out the right times to go and stuff like that. But, you know, you can have some pretty solid days out on the river. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I mean, like, there are – and then Parks and Wildlife will also – stock uh different ponds and things like that around the state at different times of the year but those are more like put and take because trout you know they don't do well in 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 warm weather and in texas it gets hot so they understand that they're typically gonna not survive so they'll let people go and fish for these fish take them home and all that stuff but even those get hammered so it's just uh the trout thing here in texas is really pretty interesting um now there are Sometimes, because there are parts of the river that stay cold enough year round to to actually sustain the trout, um, but sometimes, like really bad years, they don't really do well. But those typically refer to them as holdovers, and uh, and they've even there's even been records of like of trout reproducing on the Guad. So that's what I was about to ask. I I thought it was you that was telling me one time that. Um, I don't remember. I want to say it was you that told me that uh, they have found some interesting markings yeah. on some rainbow trout that they've caught on the guad that uh, suggest that they're they were born yeah. there, that they're reproducing is, up closer to the cold yeah, water. Yeah, man, which stuff. is which is wild. It's it's interesting, man, for sure. So, yeah, the whole trout thing in Texas, it's it's pretty crazy. But and, and I get the allure, you know. It's like it saves you from having to drive to Arkansas or Oklahoma or New Mexico to go catch some trout. It's it, So in that sense, it's really, really neat. It's really cool to kind of have that uh, opportunity. And I mean, the, um, the Guad is beautiful, like for sure, but yeah, I'm kind of, I think I'm, I'm a little over it at this point. And uh, there's some other podcasts <laughs> that go more in detail about that. And it's, and yeah, it's freaking hilarious. Sometimes Guadalupe is known as the drama Lupe. And uh, for good reason, all kinds of stuff shakes down <laughs> on the quad. You know, guides yelling at people on the river, vice versa. It's just, it's like the Wild West, man. It is freaking nuts. Acting like they own the water, which 
you know, in Texas, Texas is one of the few states to where waterways are are, are not owned by private private uh, property owners. Dude, yeah. So, um, you know, you can walk upstream, walk downstream, and, and it's all a part of the state uh, or a part of, uh, I think some of it's the LCRA, and, and they're owned by different entities yeah. that are typically state-funded, and therefore it's open water and public. Even if, it, even if somebody owns property on both sides of the waterway, the waterway is not owned by said property owner, um, where that's not the case in a lot of states. So... Uh, but people just kind of get this authority, false authority. They feel like they own the water. Or, hey, this is my yeah. spot. And and it, it gets I mean, crazy. And and to to be fair though, I I get it to a degree, right? Like these people, that's how they make their their money. So yeah, you want to, you know, you want to show your clients a good time. So hopefully they'll come back next year. And you know, you, and there's so many guides hitting the river. Like you typically, you know, you got to build a, a pretty good clientele, right? Because there's a lot of options. So let's face it. But at the same time, like you said, it's it's a public waterway. You know, anybody can use it. If someone wants to fish it, they can. If they want to swim in it, they can. If they just want to go and kayak it, they can. We have to share the resources, share the water. Um, but so like not trying to, um, I guess, promote the bad behavior or whatever. But because it definitely is, you know good ways to kind of handle that stuff. But again, you know, it's all public water and kind of going back to what you say, that's the one thing that's like super interesting about Texas. Like there's so much private land, but the waters kind of gives you a little bit of a, allows you to get a better glimpse of, of inexperienced things that you otherwise probably wouldn't. The, and cause essentially as long as the water's navigable and, 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 don't quote me on this, all right? But the, do your own research, please. Do your do, own due diligence. Check it out. But essentially, if as long as you can navigate it um, and you stay within the water or I, I think within the highest point, I can't remember what it is, you're pretty much safe. But a lot of landowners don't know that. So I've read stories and I've heard stories that there are people who will go waiting somewhere and they'll see a fence like going across the river trying to keep, you know, their cattle from going, you know, wherever or livestock going, you know, wherever. And, and, and I get it, you know, they want to keep their livestock where they can, you know, up within the property, but it kind of sucks for us who want to maybe go upstream or downstream or wherever. Um, and there have been times I've heard like, again, on the Guadalupe, People, because there are houses, there are private residences along the river. People go over there, maybe fish a little too close to a dock or something. And two, these people start yelling at them, saying they're going to call the cops, the game winners, whatever, because they're trespassing. And it's just, it's just, it's just nuts. It's kind of funny to watch some of that stuff on YouTube, though. There's quite a few YouTuber YouTubers out there that uh, have have you know YouTube shorts or even sometimes in their their main videos with experiences with <laughs> people yelling from the bank. <laughs> Uh, it, can, it can be comical uh, to watch, but um, oh, there's also geez. been situations where people get shot at, people get firearms pulled oh, on yeah. them, and, and all sorts of stuff. And it, I mean, it just gets crazy. All it takes is somebody having a bad day at home and see somebody out close to their house, and it could set them off. And so you never know. But yeah, dude, I, saw, I was watching this video. There are these guys. I think they were bass fishing, so they're like flipping jigs at a dock, whatever. This lady comes out telling them to move, and they're like, "No, like." This is public water. We want to fish this dog. And dude, she straight up jumps in the water. I was like, what the <laughs> hell, man? Like, you ain't got better things to do. Come on. But, right. Just bugging know. some fishermen out there, blowing off some steam. <sighs> yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just, it's crazy. 
Because sometimes, <laughs> like, I don't know, people people are astounding, but it is what it is, I guess. That it is. Tis what it is. So whenever you think back on all the fishing trips you've had, uh, what is one memory that just stands out above all when it comes oh, to, to experiences? Man... I got a lot. I don't know if I can narrow it down just <laughs> to one. I mean, dude, right, our Arkansas right. trip was just jam-packed full of crazy stuff, dude. Um, dude, God. God, that was crazy. Bass, carp, freaking koi, brown trout, cutthroat trout, all in a two-day period. A, a big cutthroat, too. Yeah, dude. God, that, that, was, was, that, that was pretty freaking good epic, man. Oh, God, dude, the colors on those fish were unreal. Right. Unreal, man. I still think about the one that got away too. That, <laughs> that had was a to big have been damn near thirty inches. <laughs> Dude, it was a big fish, man. Let me let me let me take some time to think about that for a second. Do you have any <laughs> any uh, experiences that come to mind? Like uh, right there, there's there, there's a few. Um, I think one of the first ones that comes to mind was uh, so a little background on me. I have two daughters. Uh, they're thirteen, and the youngest is about to be five. And I want to say it was last year or the year before, um, I was wanting to get my kids into fly fishing. My youngest loves fishing in general. She has a little Moana push button rod and she loves going and, and drowning some worms. And, and, um, you know, she, she just loves catching the brim and, and playing with the worms and she just has a good time. And, and she has a love for the outdoors that I think is just, you know, there. Uh, my oldest, she kind of comes and goes. Uh, she's kind of, I mean, she's a 13 year old girl. She's getting into the girly stuff, but it was either last year or the year before we went camping and she wanted to learn how to fly fish. And so I put her on a two weight rod and, uh, went, we camped at a KOA site here in hot springs, Arkansas. And, uh, there's a little pond out there that's, you know, stocked with brim. And I showed her how to cast, showed her how to set the hook, showed her how to reel it in, how to land the fish. And she just ran with it, just ran with it. And it was to the point to where it was like, okay, well, you know, we kind of got to go eat and we got to go set up camp. And we got to do this and do that. And maybe we should shower. We're kind of starting to stink. And she's like, I just want to fish. I just want to fish. And so she stayed out there all day. And every time she'd catch a fish, I'd hear her squeal. And our campsite was, you know, probably maybe <laughs> 50, 75 yards away. And she would yell that she caught another one, yell that she caught another one. And I was just like, she's just catching fish left and right. And in our 24 hour period, she stopped counting at a hundred. And she continued Holy catching after that. Dude. So she caught over a hundred fish in a 24 hour period. The first time she ever put a fly rod in her hand and dude, just seeing her excitement and her just wanting to learn more about it just kind of was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right here. So, um, that's probably oh, one of the yeah. biggest memories that stands out. Um, that along with that redfish that I caught <laughs> recently, that was, dude. I mean, it, it was a big redfish and, and it was a good time. Huge. Tell us, well, tell us, you can't just stay there and like knock to the story, bro. You got to tell us how that <laughs> so, shook down. So I, I've only had uh, one other experience saltwater fly fishing. Um, went down to the, or, this was the North Jetty on uh, Port Aransas, and it was like 35 mile per hour winds, thunderstorm moving in. And I just, I was casting and I was using, I think I was using a, it was my 10 weight Blaine Chocolate BC Big Fly uh, TFO rod. And even with the double haul cast could not get, you know, a fly five feet from the jetty. I mean, it was just, the wind was blowing directly in my face. Um, and, and waves were crashing like crazy. So it was pretty uneventful. There was quite a few people out there using conventional gear that they weren't having any luck either. 
Um, so I was like, ah, it's, it's cold, it's windy, it's rainy, having hell casting. So that was my experience with saltwater fly fishing uh, prior to taking this trip down to Venice, Louisiana. And um, we went down. Actually, no, I lie. We <laughs> we went uh, in April of 2021. I made a trip down to Venice, and it was for my birthday. And it was tough fishing. Um, I was the only one that, that caught a fish, uh, caught a largemouth bass in the bay. And, and that was it. Um, I hired two fishing guides. Um, four of us were out there and didn't see one redfish. Uh, saw a bunch of alligator gar that wanted meat. They didn't want anything made out of feathers and fur. Um, so, I mean, I was dropping flies directly in front of their face, five feet from the boat. And they're just kind of moseying on, on, do their own thing. Um, I did hook and long release a, uh, spotted gar, but the only fish landed that whole trip was a largemouth bass by me. And so it was, it was tough fishing for, uh, me and three of my other buddies. Um, but there wasn't really much casting going on. I mean, it was to the point where we were blind casting at nothing, just hoping something would bite, uh, cause we couldn't see anything. So, um, uneventful trip, good time, ate some iguana, ate some Oscar, um, <laughs> So got, got to eat some interesting stuff and just kind of had a good time camping out with the dudes. But, uh, a, a few months back, I went down to Venice again and hired a fishing guide, went out with my buddy Brian and, uh, it was, it was different. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I got very, very excited and, uh, dropped my fly rod. <laughs> I, I dropped a fly directly in front of a redfish, bigger redfish than the one that I actually caught. And, uh, she ate. And I went to set the hook and I couldn't clear the line. Line was wrapped around the reel. I dropped my rod in the water. I fell off the casting platform trying to grab my rod. And by the time I had rod in hand, she was already running and snapped right off. Um, couldn't get it to the backing. Couldn't get it to the reel. Just kind of, it was wrapped around the reel and broke off. And so I was, I mean, I was shaking like this. I was so nervous. Um, and then didn't have any opportunities for a couple hours after that. Uh, Brian got up there. And, uh, weren't seeing too many of them. Major overcast, uh, rough weather. It was cold outside, windy, water was choppy, water was milky. Uh, clouds started clearing. I was on the casting platform, saw probably about, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away. Um, dropped fly right in front of her, fought her for probably 20 minutes and, uh, got her in. She was probably, I don't even, we didn't even measure her, uh, but she was, she was a good size fish, uh, probably close, maybe 30 pounds. Uh, she Dude, was a good she size redfish. Huge. Fish. And, uh, that, so I landed that one and that was, that was a fight. And I caught her on a, oh, it was, what rod was I using? I think it was a nine weight mangrove coast, TFO mangrove coast, um, with a BVK reel. And nice. that was, it was, it was a fight, but it was fun. And it was, it was the biggest fish I've caught. Um, I did catch that carp on Lake Hamilton here. here. Uh, it was a little less weighted than that, but I caught it on an eight weight NXT TFO rod. So that was fun. But, uh, yeah, that redfish, it was, it was, I wouldn't say a catch of a lifetime, but it's up there. It, it was fun. It was a good first true successful experience. It's going to be tough to beat. Well, maybe not if you go back to Venice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I plan on eventually trying to target some tarpon and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, if, if I ever make things work the way I want to, you know, maybe you make a shark or a marlin on the fly rod, it'd be fun someday. 
rooster fish, bonefish, oh, yeah, stuff dude. like that. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely was wasn't a bad first redfish to catch on the fly rod. <laughs> dude, that's the other thing. Man, that's your first redfish. You're gonna be spoiled, bro. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to top that one. <laughs> it is. Go out there catching slot reds, and it's just not the same. I'm gonna have to be taking a four <laughs> or five weight out there just just to make it feel the same catching slot reds. Dude, that's but. wild, man. Yeah, so I kind of thought about it. I'm going to have to break it down into two sections, freshwater and saltwater. And and I'm going to only I'm only going to consider the fly fishing fish or fly caught fish for both. For saltwater, so I love saltwater fishing. I wish I could do more. Um, but unfortunately I live several hours away from the coast. I just don't get to make it down often. Um, that being said, I have some buddies back in my hometown that we will occasionally make a day trip down the coast and try and go fish sometimes unsuccessful other times like it. I mean, it's just, it's just tough. You know, it's tough when you don't have the opportunity to go and scout, to go put the time on the water, to learn these places and things like that, when you're just going to go and like hope for the best and, 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 what, what goes with that is the weather, you know, you go when you can and oftentimes the weather doesn't agree, but you, I mean, we're going to try to make the best of it. So, um, that being said, my first redfish I ever caught on the fly was, um, it was awesome, but at the same time, kind of anticlimactic in a way, I guess. So a little backstory, my, one of my fishing, but well, both, both my fishing buddies are really big into uh, whiskey, specifically bourbon. Stayed with one guy because uh, we were going to roll out in the morning together, and he has quite the collection. So we ended up staying up to like midnight, having more drinks than we should have, <laughs> and I probably got two hours of sleep maybe. Oof. And so, well, I mean, dude, I was probably – and to my, if, if we have any younger viewers, my apologies. I was probably still, a, you know, drunk the next day. And <laughs> dude, I was throwing up. We pulled over like five times before we even got down to the coast. So I, could, <laughs> so I could puke, dude. It was, it was so bad, man. I felt like garbage. So I just got some water, grabbed, you know, some stuff for lunch and at the gas station. And dude, I'm fishing. And this was during the summer. So, in, in summer, South Texas, man, it's brutal. It's like 102 degrees, I think, that day, something like that. And I'm just sitting there freaking miserable, dehydrated, just feeling like straight garbage. And I'm paddling this kayak around in the flats and the wind's blowing. I was not having a fun time, man. I'll tell you that. But I wanted, I was, but that's how bad, like, I wanted to catch that redfish, man. And I ended up paddling into this, like, little back bay area. And dude, in, in this particular spot, I'm not gonna, you know, burn any spots, but this particular spot's pretty popular. And um and uh the wa- the water's pretty clear. So these fish they get pressured quite a bit and they're super finicky, dude. So a lot of times like you know, they see you. So if you see a fish and you know, you stand up, grab your fly rod and try and make a cast, they're gone. That or they won't eat a lot of times. But if you catch them at just the right time when they're wanting to eat or whatever, you can get lucky. At least that's been the case for me. I can't speak for everybody who goes there. Um, So I remember, man, I was standing up on my kayak, kind of paddling around trying to find fish. And I see 
like two or three bronze specks kind of cruising along this mangrove line. And so I pick up my fly rod and dude, like the wind's pushing me towards them. So, and I was using a longer leader than I normally use. It was like a, I think it was like a 10 foot or 12 foot leader. Can't remember. I think it was 12 foot. And I had a redfish crack that I tied up a pink, like a shrimp pink redfish crack. And I, I didn't even have enough line out to make a cast. So I just kind of like rolled cast, but it was mostly just tip it and drop the, 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 the fly in front of them. And so I kind of start jigging the fly a little bit. And then I see the, I see those fish turn and, and I run out of room. So I rolled, I kind of roll casted it back in there. And then, uh, this one fish kind of turned on it and he's just chasing it. He's on its tail. And then this one fish, I guess who was underneath that group, I, who, which I never saw just come came up and swallowed it and like turned and dove back down and it took me a second to process because like dude there's just no way that just happened right now and it was literally right by my kayak (laughs) and i couldn't i couldn't strip set so i had to just straight up trout set that thing so i just you know i just gave him the beans to just whack as hard as i could without (laughs) trying to break my rod and dude he freaking took off and and he towed me around it was it was sick dude it was it was freaking awesome i was freaking out and actually when i went to net that fish the, the kayak I was using at the time, um, I have like a, like a little elevation deck thing, whatever that my seat is actually on. So it's kind of tippy. I leaned a little bit too far cause I was using a short handled like trout net. That's all I had. And I actually fell out of my, ki- <laughs> out of my kayak. So <laughs> I fell out of my kayak, but the fish stayed in the net. And so I was like standing up in my Crocs, like in, in the mud, <laughs> holding this fish freaking out. It was, dude, it was a mess, bro. Dude, and, that's uh, awesome. but dude, I, but yeah, I got my fish, you know, unhooked it, took some photos, let it go safely. And, cause, and, uh, and I actually lost my Crocs, man. I stood in the, in the mud for so long, just like sucked them under. Like there's just no getting <laughs> back. So on top of like feeling like garbage and everything, dude, I lost my freaking shoes. It was, it was the, but the highlight, I mean, that one fish made it totally worth it, dude. It was sick. Man. That's it was awesome. Freaking awesome. It took zero skill. You know, there was like zero <laughs> skill involved. It was pure luck, but it was it was dope, dude. It was sick. That's awesome. That, I remember seeing that picture, and I was yeah, I was I was pretty jealous. I was like, damn, he just got himself a red on the fly rod. <laughs> and we'd been talking about it for you know probably a year at that point about having to make a trip down to the coast oh, and get yeah. off some salt. And uh, I was just, I, I was pretty jealous. I was like, dude, God. <laughs> dude, it was it was awesome, man. That's awesome. And then bro. I mean, when you work that hard for it. Like it, oh, it's so much better. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't small. Like, I mean, compared to yours, it was small, but it was a slot size fish, probably 22, 23 inches, something Mm -hmm. like that. I didn't even measure, but dude, that thing was awesome. It was a pretty fish, too. And uh, so, oh, yeah, man, he was gorgeous, like super copper colored, uh, beautiful fish. Tail had like that, you know, that blue on it. Mm -hmm. It was just gorgeous. I love redfish, man. They're probably. Probably one of my favorite fish, dude. Doesn't get your sure. heart pumping like seeing then, a redfish uh, tailing in the flats. Oh, dude. <laughs> you, the, so the weird thing is, I've, I've, I don't think I've actually seen a redfish tail. Really, dude? There was a big one tailing in the like right on the edge of the reeds, and we we're at the end of the day. Yeah. Both me and Brian had already caught our fish. And we're heading on back and, you know, we weren't out in the, in the bay anymore. We we're coming back and there was just a bunch of reeds and stuff. And we saw her tailing and, and at first I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, I was like, there's no way. Cause she, she was like in this tiny little cove and like from her, 
her dorsal fin all the way to her tail was out of the water. I was like, this isn't happening. That's crazy. And so we got within probably 15 feet of her. Um, and there's reeds everywhere. I, I couldn't cast. I kind of had to just try to try to lay my line on and try to roll cast towards her. And I cast at her probably about 10 times. And, and she must have been getting into some crabs or something because she didn't care about anything. And she was just going yeah. in. And she went back in the reeds. And then she came right back out five feet from the boat. Just could care less about about where we were at and what we were doing. Um, but it was, it was just a sight to see. My heart was just pumping like crazy. I was like, ah, oh, what a lander, but couldn't even yeah. get her to bite. Dude, uh, yeah, they can be freaking jerks sometimes, man. Like, right. but yeah, I, I've seen, bla- I've seen black drum tail. Mm-hmm. I've caught tail in black drum before. I've seen sheep's head tail. I don't think I've ever seen a redfish tail. We we come across a school just, of slots down there in Venice too. Same thing. Brian was on the platform at that time, and he yeah. hooked. I don't know if he landed. I think he hooked it. He may have landed it. Um, then he caught a flounder. He was casting it at a. It was either a black drum or or it was a redfish, and uh, yeah. out of nowhere, a flounder come out of nowhere and hit. I think he was maybe using a clouser or a Hopedale crab or something like that. Flounder got it. <laughs> But, uh, Interesting. yeah, it's, it's, it, it, we, we saw quite a few tailing ones out there in Venice. That's pretty So sweet, what about yeah. your, uh, freshwater memory? <laughs> oh, dude, I think, man, my freshwater memory, it would be a tie between the koi fish. Oh, dude, that was so awesome. And the brown. Yeah. Both Arkansas. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it would probably, yeah, it'd probably have to be, yeah, both in the same like weekend, too, right, yeah. dude. So, yeah, so Russell, you know, he mentioned, uh, you mentioned that that carp earlier, mm-hmm. and he actually caught that the same day I caught the, I caught the, um, uh, the koi fish. So there's a there's an arm, well, so part of the lake kind of drains in behind where Russell lives, and so one morning he woke up and. He heard some splashing and he looks and dude, there was just gar, carp, like everywhere in that, in that, in that area for whatever reason. And he's like, dude, we want to go fishing. I was like, heck yeah, man. So we just, we strung our rods together really, really quick. And then we just walked out there and dude, the carp were freaking massive. The gar were, were big too. And so we were, dude, we probably, we were casting at these things. Oh man. For probably like two hours, never got like a, a solid bite, whatever. And then finally, like, I see this koi fish. He just kind of, like, appeared out of nowhere like a ghost, dude. He was, like, you see this big gold thing with long fins. It was a, it was a butterfly koi, so it's the ones that had those really long fins. And he just kind of appeared out of nowhere, kind of, like, made his way through the grass. And then I just happened to – I just saw the fish. And I was like, man, I don't think anything's going to happen, but whatever. And I just laid a cast, like, pretty much a couple inches from his face. And I saw him turn – and I didn't even feel him eat. I just saw him kind of turn and kind of go down to where my fly was. And I was like, well, I'm just going to see what happens. And I just set the hook. And sure enough, dude, like I felt weight. And I, start, I saw him shaking his head and freaking out. And he took off. And I was losing my mind, bro. You probably remember. <laughs> I was like, dude, dude, I got the gold one. I got the gold one. And I was just freaking out, dude. I was like shaking and stuff. I dropped my rod, brought my net, and I hauled it over there. Dude, I was shaking so hard, man, because, like, I have been obsessing about catching a carp for a long time. Like, I've caught – it's been on my hit list for a while just because 
one, I mean, I've, I hooked, I've hooked a few, right? Uh, but I've never landed one. Commons, a common car. And uh, they've whooped me every single time. Just never had a chance because I, I didn't have the right gear. I hooked, the only two I ever hooked were on a three-weight graphite rod, essentially, a dry fly rod, whatever, if you will. And and not the right tool for the job. It was just kind of like an accident that that happened. But yeah, dude, and they whooped me. And uh, probably the best thing, honestly, because that would probably like not be good, finding them on a small tackle like that. But anyways... So I just, I want, I've been wanting a carp so bad. So I got super stoked seeing these carp and things like that. And then this freaking koi fish that I didn't think I would get to eat. And, and then I'm fighting this thing. And dude, he was just like, man, he was so pretty. It was, it was, it was crazy, dude. That was, that was sick. Like, I don't know how I managed to catch a koi fish before I caught a carp, but whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> I ain't complaining. And a pretty one. And, and what, isn't that a kind of rare species of carp or of, of koi? Um, I don't know because koi fish have so many different like, yeah, so many fish have they have so many different like variations. I just know that that one's a butterfly carp because like how the fins were, uh-huh. and I think it was called like a golden dragon koi or something like that. Um, supposedly, like I posted it to some uh, Facebook group that I'm in, and someone was like, "Dude, that's like a thousand dollar fish, man!" And I was like, "Well, it's out there swimming still, so because <laughs> we let it go." And uh, I was like, shit, man. But um, uh, what's it called? But yeah, so we just let it go. And uh, and but, and then the crazy thing is there was like three other ones. And there was one really, really huge orange. Like, it was like a tricolor one. It's like orange, black, and white, whatever. That thing was yeah. huge. Yeah, like a calico-colored fish. Yeah, dude, that thing was sick. And then you not long after that, you caught that big freaking carp, man. I mean, that thing was a butterball. I mean, massive. Yeah, it was. And, Dude, you fought that thing for like, I don't know, 15 minutes on an eight weight with the drag locked yep. down, spooled you almost like twice or it, it was nuts. Yeah. That was a crazy I think I, I think I tried to resuscitate that fish longer than I fought it. Yeah. Poor thing just kept it was, laying on its side, not <laughs> work it more. And finally he, he took off, but my goodness, yeah. he was tired. I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that was sick. But that net that I got kind of, I mean, it helped big time. It did. It did. It was, it was pretty nice, man. I, I knitted that fish for you. It was, it was nice having like that handle for extra leverage and then the basket's huge. So it fit no problem. That's a pretty slick net. Um, Yeah. yeah, So that was like, and that was the start of the trip pretty much. That was actually, I think that was on my actual birthday, wasn't it? I think it was. I I think think that was, that was my birthday and it was the day after that we went up to the white uh, yeah. Went and got, watched Garth Brooks and then went to the White River. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wasn't so that was in the morning. And then I think we ended up leaving to the campsite. And then we watched yeah. Garth Brooks that and night. And then Garth Brooks that night. Which was a freaking epic yeah. show. If if y'all ever. Oh, my goodness. If you've never Such seen. an entertainer. <laughs> dude, if y'all have never seen Garth Brooks, man, holy crap. Can that dude put on a show? It was insane. It was so good, dude. We watched him up in Fayetteville at the Arkansas Razorback football stadium. And there was over 80,000 people there. And, and that same year I went to the, I'm a diehard Longhorn fan. And I went to the Longhorn Arkansas game in Arkansas as a Longhorn fan. And there was 76 or 78,000 people there. And it was crazy packed. And then went to the Garth concert and it was more packed. And then on top of that, the field was covered with, you know, people as well. Um, you know, floor passes and stage passes and stuff. And it, I mean, it was just, there was so many people there. It was it was Dude. insane, and the was, show was just amazing. 
Oh man, incredible, dude! That that guy, like you said, he's a performer. There's he was literally going all over the stage. He was drenched in sweat by the end of the by the end of the night, but it was freaking awesome. And uh, we had to like walk like two miles too from where we parked just to go to the stadium. It was yeah. crazy. And uh, yeah, hoping dude. not to get towed parking in a closed <laughs> business parking lot. <laughs> Luckily, we did not. Um, but yeah, so after Correct. that concert, we go back to the campsite and then you're like, I think I'm gonna go sleep outside. And cause they had hammocks and stuff set up. And I was like, well, I guess I'll sleep in the truck. <laughs> and, uh, and dude, it got cold that night. It wasn't, it was like warm so during the cold. day and it got cold that night. And, uh, I just couldn't get comfortable in the truck. And then I think you came and we had to leave early anyways. Right. We had to leave early to the, to get to yeah, the Yeah, We had to, to leave at like two or three in the morning. Uh, cause because where we were launching at on the White River was like, what, two and a half, two hours, 45 Some, minutes away from where like we were that. staying in Fayetteville. Yeah. And the guide originally told me, oh, it's 45 minutes away. And we didn't pull it up on GPS until after the concert. <laughs> I'm like, well, we got like an hour or two to sleep till we got to yeah. drive two and a half hours. And, and dude, we probably uh, yeah, slept was, like uh, maybe 30 minutes or an hour, if that. And, uh, and dude, yeah. you came over to me because you were like shivering. You were cold. And you're like, dude. <laughs> I'm awake. You're awake. Do you just want to drive? I was like, yeah, man, let's go. So, so we left like on 30 <laughs> minutes of sleep, whatever. We And we got some energy drinks, whatever we could just to kind of keep us awake. Got to the, got to the boat launch, um, where we're supposed to meet the guide early. And, uh, and we saw trout rising. So we just tied on some flies and, and I think I caught a little rainbow, like right bef- before the guide even got yep. there. First fish off the white. And, uh, and do you uh, do you want to kind of plug the the guide if anybody might be interested? Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, which guide was it? That was uh, what was it? it was Eddie, Eddie Line? Line Drifters. I think so. I think I think his handle is Eddie Line Drifters on Instagram. Um, great guide knows his way Eddie around. Line, the river. Or is it Eddie Line Fly Fishing? I think it's Eddie Line Drifters. I think you're right. But uh, but yeah, super cool yeah. dude. Um, if we if we got your handle wrong, our apologies. But definitely check him out. At least give it a shot. But uh. Uh, maybe we can even like put a link or something to his social. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Is, uh, we'll definitely link put him up. on here because he put us yeah, on some, I mean, on some good fish for sure. Dude, dude, talk about. So, first of all, cool dude knows the river, man. He's awesome. But, um, yeah, so we started drifting and we started out throwing streamers. And um, I was throwing this, I, it was a nine way actually. And uh, we moved a couple fish on the streamers, but nothing, no takers really. So we switched over to uh, to some nymph rigs. And dude, you freaking tore it up. You caught some some nice browns and the really, I mean, he the biggest. Well, the, the, in the words of the guide, the biggest cutthroat that's ever hit his boat, or that's ever hit the deck. And that thing yeah. was a monster. It was huge. It was, and it was pretty man. That thing was. Do you do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was it. Perfect cast. It was a it was a dead spot directly behind in the ripple behind a big boulder. Uh, we come around and I just dropped it right on the other side of the boulder. Perfect drift and set the hook. And I thought it was a brown originally. Uh, just looking at the coloring of it, I was like, oh, that's a good brown. It's a good brown. And it was probably about what ten minutes after I caught my first brown, and uh, you know so. brought it in. And I, I think it caught it on a purple Duracell, probably maybe size. 16 about size right. 18 maybe Somewhere. um beat headed duracell like and he he netted it brought it in and right when he started lifting out of the net i saw the red and i was like that's a cutthroat and then he freaked out the guy freaked out he's like 
that's the that's the biggest cutthroat I've ever had in my boat. That is a solid fish. And you know, we you know took our pictures, Dude. released you know it was a clean release, healthy fish, and uh, God, it was it was so exhilarating. And it was crazy because I was it was a little bit bigger than the first brown that I caught, and I was like, oh, I'm getting bigger. And then I was like, wait, that that's not a brown, that's a cutthroat. And it was, it was such a pretty fish. Dude. That was freaking epic, man. We were all freaking out. We're like, oh my God. We're like <laughs> high five and taking photos, like trying to make sure this fish uh is uh, swims off healthy and stuff. And it did, thankfully. But dude, that was freaking epic, man. It yeah, was. So you it was. you got into some solid fish. No, I think I think that day. No, no, never mind. Sorry. I was gonna say that day was your birthday. I don't think it was. But uh but yeah, man, it was your birthday weekend is what it was. But yeah, dude. Yeah. So the uh, the fish gods bless you with some solid fish for your birthday, oh, dude. Oh, for sure. And then I guess that's where I kind of come in with the second um, uh, memorable memorable freshwater fish. So I, I, to be totally honest, I don't like nymphing. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it, it catches fish like for sure. I it's just not my favorite way to to, yeah. to fish in yeah. general. And uh, I've done it on the quad, caught fish. I just don't like it. So after a while, and I caught a couple of rainbows, but nothing crazy. After a while, I was like, man, I'm going to go back and throw that streamer. And the guy's like, and well, I did it for two reasons. One, like I feel more confident throwing streamers. And two, I figured like, since you're running the nymph rig, I could throw the streamers. And we can kind of like, you know, split and conquer, if you will, kind of see what's really going on, whatever. And the guy even said that it was getting, it was getting towards like the tail end of what they consider like streamer season. So, um, he didn't have like super high confidence that it would work, but I was like, whatever, dude, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to try it anyway. And sure enough, man, like I was, I was throwing this thing around and, and, um, there was like this little eddy and I wanted to kind of get the, the fly to drift into it. So I cast it in front of it and, and try to give it enough time for it to get it, to get down in there. And I gave it a couple strips, hard strips, and then I just feel it like just stop i thought i got snagged on a boulder or something dude. it just came to a dead stop and i just kind of strip set and i thought i was hung up at first and then i feel like the head shakes and it kind of like took a second to register i was like holy crap i got a fish and i was like fish on and i just start you know f- like pulling this thing in and i was getting excited because i had never caught a brown trout before and that's that's like the thing that i wanted the most and uh and so it's an, and it's digging dude and i remember i have this nine weight and it is like bent over and i was like dude this is freaking nuts man i've never felt this from a trap before and then we finally see color and the guy's like it's a brown it's brown and i'm freaking out trying to keep my cool so i'm not like gonna bust this thing off whatever and we got it in the net and dude i just lose my freaking mind i was so pumped <laughs> and you got some awesome pictures of that fish dude and and it it wasn't the biggest brown that that was the end of the day. You caught the biggest brown of the day, but dude, that thing, that the colors on that fish were like, man, pristine. It was so pretty. They're like the little red spots and everything. Freaking dude, gorgeous. Very pretty fish. And, uh, dude, it was, it was awesome, man. He like straight up T bone. That's that streamer. And the guy's like, dude, I can't believe you actually caught a fish on the streamer. I was like, Hey man, I don't, I, I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I'll take it. And dude, that was just, man, that, that trip, in itself was freaking epic, but I think those two are probably going to be the most memorable fish on the fly that I've caught in freshwater that I can, that like, when I think about it, they're the ones that come to mind first. Right, right. Oh, See, I, and, and I got to capture times, the whole, whole thing. I got pictures of your reaction. I got pictures of, of you setting the hook. 
I got pictures of, of the whole thing and it's just crazy seeing your facial expressions and the excitement and you're standing up and your arms are up and you're just, you're <laughs> loving it and you're smiling ear to ear grin. Oh, it was, it was awesome to catch. Bro, and I was shaking too, moments. man. Oh, dude. <laughs> God, dude, it's, it's, yeah, man, it was, it was freaking epic, dude. Definitely some good time. And that was just last year, man. Yep. So, um, yeah. We'll see what 2023 we'll plan something got. for for my birthday coming up this year and, and next couple months maybe we can you know plan well, another trip <laughs> down well, in Texas. There've been talks of a of a Devil's River trip. trip uh, I have some news about that one. Ah, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. What's up? So um, well, we can talk about it off. off yeah, off well, we can talk about it, but yeah, it's gonna be uh, <laughs> the plan will be a, a little different on that one. It can still happen, uh, but the four day self trip probably is the best idea so mm, yeah we could talk gotcha. about that off the podcast and uh and go yeah. from there <laughs> so so for those of you who have never who may have never heard of the devil's river definitely check it out it is probably one of the most pristine stretches of river in the state i mean super clear and it is an incredible fishery I mean, huge smallmouth. You can even find stripers or striped bass in some places. Big carp. I mean, just a huge variety and diversity of fish species. And it is just epic. The problem is, uh, because of its location, it takes a little bit more planning than your run-of-the-mill trip. So, if it's your first Planning, time, experience, um, knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're literally out in the middle of nowhere where you may not have any cell reception. People have died floating or fishing the Devil's River um, in the past, just because like heat exposure, because it gets hot in that part of the state. Flash flooding, it's prone to flash flooding, so you got to check weather and all that stuff. So it is a, it is a, so logistically, yeah, it's just a, it's, it can be a beast. So. Um, definitely check it out. And if it's something that you would like to do, just do your due diligence, be careful, be safe, um, find a guide, hire a guide if necessary. But yeah, it can, it can, it can definitely be done like DIY, but, um, having someone who has had experience on the river, um, is definitely going to be worth the money. But yeah, anyways, I digress. I never fished it. Definitely <laughs> want to, you should check it out if you've never heard of it. Super cool, super cool fishery. Speaking of uh, pristine waters, uh, what about the Buffalo National River here in Arkansas? That was a good trip, too. <laughs> that was a great trip. <sighs> Definitely need to do it at a different it time of year trip. when the water's not so low. Um, when it's but, not as windy. God, it's gorgeous out there. Oh, man. Yeah, so this past, it was October, right? I believe so. Yeah, so October. So Russell actually hit me up. He's like, hey, man. Um, Buffalo River National Park is like a dark sky area and supposedly we're going to be able to see like the Milky Way and all this stuff and be able to get some great shots. So kind of a backstory, Russell and I both like photography. Um, we both try to dabble in it when we can and he's actually the one that got me into photography because uh, as he knows, I used to never be able to take a picture to save my life. Um, <laughs> Not to say that, you know, I still can, but I'd like to think I got better. But anyway, so he's like, dude, we can come, you know, we can take some photos, we can do some fishing and all this stuff. And and I was getting pumped. I was kind of afraid that I wouldn't be able to because of, um, you know, I'm in grad, bless you. 
uh, because I'm in grad school and finding the time to do that can be kind of tough, especially because we, I was supposed to start my field season, but it just so happened there were some things that occurred that wouldn't allow me to start my, my field data collection. So um, I was able to make the trip. And so I went up to Arkansas. We went to the Buffalo National River, freaking beautiful place. We got some awesome shots of the of the Milky Way. I caught my first smallmouth on that trip. The river, man, I mean, even in like 12, 14 feet of water, you could see straight down to the bottom. Like it is nuts. And I'm sure it would have been better had we had the right equipment. Um, and if the wind wasn't so brutal, oh, the wind was the wind brutal. Thirty mile per hour wind was <laughs> blowing us upstream. Dude. Anchored, I was anchored, yeah. getting blown upstream by the wind. It was crazy. Oh man, yeah, it was, it was, it was freaking nuts, dude. And and because we didn't really know what you know how deep it can get, it can get. We didn't have you know the right line set up but we yeah. you know we just fished what we had and stuff but we still caught fish it was still good definitely uh would like to go back under better circumstances and with the right gear and everything to try and get on some smallies i think i think we could tear them up if we if we do it right for sure but yeah also another great place if you guys are into that kind of stuff even if you don't want to fish if you just want to kayak it the scenery was amazing freaking beautiful um there are actually there's hundreds of miles of trails too. So if you're into hiking, yeah. biking, backpacking, there's hundreds of miles that range all the way up to Missouri. Um, I mean, there there's beautiful scenery out there. There's cliffs, there's waterfalls, there's creeks, there's rivers, there's campsites. Um, it's all national forest, so you can you can pretty much set up camp. Um, obviously, you don't want to be starting forest fires, so be careful and do your research on what you can and can't do. Um, but I mean, just a, yeah. just a gorgeous place to be. The river itself is a national river. It's untouched, undammed. Everything there is like, there's no stalking. There's no introduced species. There's, it's just all native indigenous and natural. And, um, yeah, it, it's in a part of the national forest where there's no pollution and then the water is just clear. Um, and just, just a yeah. great fishery in general. Dude. And the people there are really nice. Oh, too. extremely friendly. Awesome folks. Yeah, dude. It was, I mean, Awesome place. If you want to, if you were like want to go on a family road trip, whatever, your, your kids would love it. Your your significant other would love it. Uh, definitely worth checking out for sure. For sure, for sure. And we've had some good trips these past couple of years, man. <laughs> dude, I was thinking about that, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a blessing for sure, dude. It's been it's been awesome. It definitely has. You just need to come to Texas so I can put you on some fish, dude. Right, dude. I need to. We'll make it happen <laughs> soon for sure. Uh, I, 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 when I was listening to that uh, Honey Hole podcast about the, you know, the Guadalupe Mountain National Park, I was like, oh, that would have been awesome if we could fish for some native Texas real, real grand cutthroats. But uh, man, yeah. we need to. I need to. I need to head down there and and uh, just find some spots that we can we can go and and hit some water that I've never hit. Maybe catch some fish. I'm still itching to get on a striper, man. I've never caught a striper too, but I know. Of some spots that could potentially hold them, I think. Yeah, I, I, think I know a, areas a, up a, here that have them, and they're caught quite often. Up here, I just yeah. haven't had the opportunity to get to them. Typically, you need a boat, um, which yeah. is in the works. But uh, a kayak would—it would be fun to land one on a kayak and kind of be towed around. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Dude, I tell you what, man. If you want to go kayaking, 
the South Llano River. I think you would like that a lot, bro. And that um, and that where we but, went that one time when Adeline was a baby, baby. Yes, but that was a different part. I see. So, so yeah. So the the like two summers ago, some friends and I floated the South Llano that kind of runs through Junction. So I see. The yeah. So we said we we did like we did a longer trip than we should have. We did like a I think it was like a eight mile or ten mile float or whatever, which was freaking nuts. Never should have done that. But the state park, the South Atlanta State Park in Texas, was the takeout spot. So we put up a couple miles up river. But dude, um, one the landscape is like like you're floating almost through like a uh, if you're floating through the western edge of the hill country. So it's gonna be a bit more hilly. A little bit drier, but dude, it's like it. The landscape's gorgeous for one, two. The river, really nice, really clean, and three. Man, you can tear some fish up. I don't even, dude. I think me myself, I probably caught over a hundred fish that day. Between all of us, we oh, wow. just lost count. It was it was just insane, dude. Quads, all kinds of sunfish, freaking gar everywhere, carp. I mean, dude, it is. It is insane. I think you would like that float a lot. It's it's a cool it's a cool it's a cool river, man. I want to go do it. Is again. there camping nearby too? You can camp at the state park. Hmm. Might have to make a multi day trip on that one. Yeah, dude. It's I mean, there's Might be that, a good substitute then, for the devils for the time being. Yeah, for the time being, for sure, dude. I think so. Um, if you want to get on Smallmouth, I think there's. A river closer to home where that might happen. Unfortunately, I don't know that river very well. The but, Sam? Uh, supposedly. No. Uh, the San Marcos. Supposedly, there's some, really? there's some smallmouth in there. Supposedly. I don't hmm. know how true that is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But. Yeah, man. Or you can just catch some, like, monster native guads. Guads are. We just, we just go in the name of research, cool man. <laughs> dude, I know, right? Dude, yeah. Guads are, are Texas has a like pretty cool diverse uh array or diverse species in terms of like I mean really anything. But uh the guads are really, really neat. They are native only to Texas and only to like the hill country rivers of Texas, really. And it's actually the state fish. They're they're one of my favorites. They don't get very big. The state record and I guess by default, the world record is only like 3.7 pounds, something like that. Um, but that thing is like a freaking football, dude. And they fight so hard for their size. It's insane. And then um, my other favorite fish is a Rio Grande cichlid. Oh, those, those things are, so fun. are the, dude, they're the only cichlid native to the United States. And they are a true native to Texas. And... Um, yeah, dude, they're just, they're super cool looking fish. And uh, this is the only place where you can catch them, really. Like, well, let me rephrase that. Because I think you, I, there's been reports of them being caught in Louisiana. This is the only place you can catch them within the, like, the native range, I guess. Um, but yeah, dude, native, uh, or sorry, Rio Grande Slickers are freaking awesome. And dude, they're all over uh, Central Texas. You can find them in the Atlanta. Uh, play little creeks and rivers around Austin, uh, dude. Yeah, super cool fish. That's another fish yeah, where my man, first we'll... one spoiled me. <laughs> the first reel I caught, remember when I was fishing with you 
on a two weight. It was you a freaking you and dinner your plate, first, man. <laughs> yeah, that fish, that that cutthroat was your first cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um, your first brown was a freaking solid brown. Yeah, man, your first. Yeah, when it comes to fishing, your first fish have been massive. My first Rio Grande cichlid was a dinner plate. <laughs> monsters. That's oh. crazy, dude. I don't know how you're gonna top all those, man. Tough to beat. It's going to be tough to beat, but hey, I got to have something to work for, right? <laughs> yeah. You got some crazy luck, dude. Yeah. Some good luck. Beginner's luck for sure. But am I, am I still considered a beginner? What is it? Eight years a into year? fly fishing now? <laughs> yeah, one of those. Uh, dang, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. It was after uh, I had my house built, 2015. It's 2023 now. Oh, dude, we're getting fishing for eight years now. Yep. Hey, you're the one that's geriatric, old dirty 30 now already. Hey, man, you're coming up, brother. I got a few more months. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it looks like we're getting up there on time, man. We should probably uh, start closing (laughs) her off. Next thing you know, we're going to be sitting here for three hours talking about dogs. (laughs) Oh, dude, I know. Like that one time at the bar. Right. Oh, good time. Poor (laughs) Matt. But anyways... But yeah, so um, sorry for running it so long. But yeah, if if, if this content, we, we plan on, you know, doing content like this. Of course, Russell and I are, are, are both outdoorsmen, fishermen, hunters, whatever. But that's not on, our only interest. We like to uh, we like to go camping. We like to hike, uh, outdoor cooking, things like that. And we want to try and introduce that or bring that kind of content into this podcast as well. So if um, kind of integrate a lot of our interest and, uh, yeah. you know, be able to provide a lot more for the listener. Uh, and even like extend beyond that, you know, we want to try, we want to learn too, you know, there may be things that we would really like that we don't know about or just haven't had the chance to, to really do or engage in. And so really the goal, I guess, of this podcast is kind of inspire you to um, kind of step out of your comfort zone, you know, it's, Learn about things may or maybe kind of pique an interest in things that you maybe wouldn't otherwise, stuff like that. And so, and also, we want it to be an educational thing. We want to try and bring in some, um, some really knowledgeable people and, and share that with, with you guys. And then also, we're both big into conservation. So, we like to try and promote that as well. And uh, yeah, if anything, if any of this interests you, we would encourage you and really appreciate it if you followed along with us. And, uh, and yeah, we'll try and put out, you know, Consistent content regularly, content. but yeah. between, yeah, but between uh, your schedule and mine, it's going to be kind of hard, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get the hang of it. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we we'll definitely make it work. Our name first though. Right. That, that'll come. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm, I'm kind of liking the unnamed and untamed because, you know, we're kind of running with the theme of, of hitting native waters and, uh, um, you know, going after native species and educating on native stuff and. And I remember in the past yeah. we talked about um, starting a cookbook using, you know, harvesting native species using native herbs and stuff and and uh, yeah. making recipes from, you know, God forbid you get lost somewhere and, and you know, <laughs> still use your culinary yeah. skill to, to make some gourmet meals with what you can find around you. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> unnamed, untamed. Could be yeah, a man. Could if we could be bring a, a forage expert, dude. That'd be sick. Oh, dude, that would yeah. be awesome. Hey, maybe we can get the guy from that Nature Walk. <laughs> That's neat. yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
That would be. Do you know how this is? Some. Wait. What did he say? Uh, he goes, uh, you know how you can tell this is an Aspen? You can tell the by the is. way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. Oh, dude, that guy, dude, that guy is great. Cracks me up. He would, he would be, that would be a fun interview for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Also, let me preface this. Um, I am not a fish ecologist or a fishery biologist. So if I got any of that stuff wrong, please feel free to fact check me. We're all in this to learn and to educate and to, uh, you know, grow and get better. But yeah, so agreed. And if you have any information that we missed that you feel like needs to be shared, feel free to leave it in the comment section um, or or private message yeah. either me or Jose, and uh, we can always include it in a future podcast or respond in comments. So, yeah, or if there's any like conservation stories or things that you think would be really important to know and get the word out about, um, yeah, definitely share that with us too. It'd, it'd be uh, good to kind of put that out there. I agree. I agree. So with that being said, I guess this is going to conclude the uh, first episode of our podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll get this posted up soon and uh, get ready for the next one. And if, if there's any topics that you guys want to hear, um, any stories that you know of, you know us personally that you want us to share, um, or just anything you want to know about, we can we can always you know do our research and learn about certain things and talk about certain areas, and uh, you know more than willing to listen to criticism y'all have. So. Feel free to message us or comment and, and let us know what we could do different, what we could do better, or what you want to hear next. Heck yeah, man. Sounds good. Well, that'll work. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to you know, follow along with us, subscribe, like, share. We'd appreciate it. <laughs>